Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's begin. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about how to achieve financial success through financial planning and budgeting. And we're going to be talking to Dr. Jennifer Huang, who is a lecturer in finance at RMIT. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here to share my knowledge. Thank you. Um, So that we get to know you a little bit better, do you mind introducing yourself in a bit more detail? Yeah, um, I started my financial planning education back 20 years ago at that time. And not many people are aware of these kind of things. But I think 10 years in, when we all become richer, <laughs> because economic, you know, keep growing and people start to accumulate the wealth, then more people start to ask the question about, oh, I want a better life. I want a good retirement. I even I want to retire early. How should I achieve that? That's why uh, we start to train more people about what is financial planning and how you set up your life goals and in order to achieve all the financial support Mm -hmm. for your life dream. So we started by uh, training the financial professionals in the banks, like Mm -hmm. financial advisors. And then we're moving on to more of their clients because Mm -hmm. a lot of financial planners and advisors telling us that, oh, I know all those things, but my clients still, you know, don't have a single idea about all the financial plannings. So it's hard for us to do that. That's why we started a lot of financial awareness, education for people to know the basics. So I'm really happy today I got the opportunity to share all those foundations with a lot of uh, big audience. Mm. Yes. Um, It's one thing, you know, for financial planners to know how to plan, I guess it's their job. But um, if the people they're talking to and if people in general don't know how to do how to, you know, manage their finances, then they're having to teach everyone. Whereas if everyone starts off with a bit bit more of a background, it's going to be a bit easier to get started. Definitely, because once you talk about education, people hate that to sit in a classroom. (laughs) So that's why I think let's talk us through and Mm -hmm. uh, you ask me all the different things in your life. Yeah. And we can maybe come up some good ideas and then people, oh, yeah. So they got it. That's mm-hmm. the best way, I guess. Yes. And um, I'm looking forward to this because I don't really have much of a much of a plan or a budget. Um, and so I think it'll be really great to to apply my own, you know, um, thoughts and ideas, particularly as someone who doesn't know much. You know, people can learn from me, hopefully, and maybe hopefully someone has a similar experience to me and they'll know that they're not alone. Oh, that's the best conversation we're going to have. Great, yep. great. Um, but before we do get started on our uh, topic today, we'd like to get to know you a bit better with a section we call Have You Met Jennifer? Um, so the first thing we'd like to know is, um, what is your favorite book? 
Okay, my favorite book. I have a lot of favorite books, but recently I am uh, uh, rereading a book called The Seven Habits for Highly Effective People because this book has impacted me so much when I was um, 30 years old, 20, 20 years ago, that um, when I read the book, I realized that uh, one of the habits that most people are efficient and successful, what they do was you have to start from the end in your life. What does that mean? That means when you leave today, you need to look into the end of the day. Like you imagine when you are going to your own funeral, you want people to talk about you. Mm -hmm. And that is the image you should to achieve by the end of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you have to know where you want to go in life. Mm -hmm. Then you live today. So with the goal in mind, every day, every step you walk, you are walking towards that goal. You are not deviated. You are not distracted to other places. So that's why people be can become more efficient. That's how I did in the first time after I read the book in my 30 years old, I wrote down my first personal mission statement. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what I want to be by the end of my life, but back 20 years ago. And I achieved what I want to be because at that time I remember very clearly, I wrote down that I want to be a financial training queen. <laughs> Can you believe that? But and here I, you are. Yeah, but I did that because uh, at the highlight of my career life, I was nominated as the uh, board member for the International Financial Planning Standard Board representing the Asia. So that's really a kind of uh, achievement. Mm. I was happy about. But now, as I shared with you, I reviewed the book, I'm thinking next 50 years, I may have different goals. So I need to rewrite my personal mission statement. So that's why this really good book, very inspiring. Mm, so it's something you can definitely apply throughout your life, not just, you know, at one point in your life, and then everything is set, you're all done. It teaches you, you need to continue doing this process as you age and as you grow and change as a person. Exactly. When we age, we become wiser <laughs> and you know the life a little bit better Then you know yourself a little bit better. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, the person I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago is very different to the person that I am now. Um, and I would have very different, I have very different goals and thoughts. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to myself in the future. <laughs> Definitely. Mm. You can design it. The mm -hmm. key message is you design your future mm -hmm. and mm. you create that. Great. Um, and have you enjoyed any mo movies recently? Yes. Last weekend it happened. We watched a movie with my son. It's a new movie from Jennifer Lawrence, mm -hmm. The uh, No Hard Feelings. Have mm -hmm. you heard about this movie? Yeah, I saw an ad, um, but I haven't seen it. So okay. what's it about? It's quite interesting, actually, very related to today's topic uh -huh. when I thought of that, because the movie was about uh, Jennifer, she, she, she was acting a girl who stayed in a seaside beach town and living in a house left by her mom, but she was abandoned by her father when she was very young. So she has been traumatized, she lives that life and she never uh, left the town because she think if she stay in that house, her father will one day come to find her. Mm -hmm. So she's living like a victim of the life. Then 
one day uh, she was not motivated and somebody took her car because she was in debt and she at the risk of losing her mom's house to pay off all the debt but she was not motivated she just go anywhere the life you know going taking her so one day she really has no car she can't leave then there's ads a parent you know looking for a young woman for their son in order to get their son you know the son is 19 years old staying home playing games all the way so they want to try to find a girlfriend for the boy to take the boy outside so as a reward the parents are going to give her a cap anyway cut the story short she met the boy and the boy actually taught her quite a deep lesson that if she wants to start a serious life she needs to end to play a role of victim of her father rather you know to gather herself and to design herself to what she wants in life so what once she got that idea she understood she need to go outside to look at the whole world so she get the crap car <laughs> she started to be a uber driver so she saved up a lot of uh, 22,000 I remember to pay off all her debt and cleaned her house and sold it to her friend then she went to travel the world to explore her life so that's just showed that when you were in debt your life is was showed that you were in a mess mm -hmm. but when you have a goal and the first thing you should do is get rid of your debt yeah <laughs> so that's quite related to today's topic that's so funny because um, when I saw I, when I saw the the trailer for that, I I thought it was about um, a woman who was paid to seduce a boy, and I was like, oh, this is a bit of a weird movie. I have heard other things about it that is actually quite a good movie, and it's interesting to see um, the movie from your viewpoint, from your background. You see it as a very much a financial planning movie. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. But and it's a good story, but. Um, I'd love to now I think I need to go watch it and see what I come away with it because I I think it's um I think it's so interesting that people can go watch the same movies and see different parts of the movie and obviously I think the movie does encompass all of our perspectives but because but we all come to it with our own perspectives and talking about it afterwards can be quite different yeah, yeah, that's why it's an attraction of the mm, movie, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this movie. I'm gonna think about you, and I'm gonna think about financial planning. Yeah, you can look at her big smile when she her screen in the bank account with all those money mm -hmm. growing. <laughs> mm. And um, do you listen to any podcasts? Yeah, I actually listen to quite a lot of podcasts mm -hmm. because normally I think social media is a waste of time, but podcasts are very different because mm -hmm. they really interview a lot of different people, give me a lot of insights of other people's thoughts. And uh, I focus on a lot of about personal growth, but uh, uh, one I like the most was the um, uh, called uh, The Way Out Is In. It's from the Plum Village. They are uh, hosted by a Zen master and they are teaching about how to live your life in peace and in the moment and what is the way to happiness. So I, I learned a lot from that mm. podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, podcasts are so great and I'm not just saying that because we're a podcast, but um, 
it's such an easy way to learn a bit more about different perspectives and different ways of living and, you know, different things you can do with your life. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, especially I love the podcast because when I do the housework, mm-hmm. I can just put the earphone and I'm listening and I do my work. Exactly. And it's the being able to learn and listen while we also do other things that maybe would be less productive time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And do you have a role model? Yeah, actually, I have two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first one is uh, Mar- Mother Teresa mm-hmm. because I always fascinated by how she can set up the charity in India and how she has so much love to people and helping the sick, the older, the orphan. So I want, you know, I can be such a great person, but obviously I'm not, but that's why she's my royal model. And she's so modesty. That's mm-hmm. why I just feel she's great. Another one is for my career. My royal model is, you know, Kahan Academy. No. Oh, sorry. okay. <laughs> it's a very famous uh, 12 years K education that mm-hmm. uh, Sal Kahan, he single-handedly set up an online education high school for 12 years high uh-huh. school uh, education. And it's free ah. because he had a dream that he wants education equality. Because, you know, in our generation, if you have a higher education, you have better job, better life. And education really set people apart. Mm-hmm. But his dream is for people to access the best education program free. And that's why uh, he himself is a great teacher. And if anyone, I think, have a kids, you, we will know that we often, we cannot teach our kids math anymore. So we often refer them to the Kahan Academy and there they teach every single subject so easy to understand and fantastic teacher fantastic uh, business person uh, Kahan himself so I really like to uh, listen him teaching even when I did my PhD for the first year for the foundation statistics I just learned from him oh that's amazing because um I mean I struggled with statistics uh, at university myself and Um, obviously there are some really great resources online, but sometimes it can take a while to actually find them. Oh, that's the best. That's the best. So to know that all the resources are in one spot, um, is really great. So thank you for sharing that resource with us. Yeah. No worries. There are more. Yeah. (laughs) But this one is my royal model. So Mm -hmm. Kahan. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I, I like to start every podcast, um, by just having some definitions of what we're going to be talking about. So the first thing that I'd like to know is what is your definition of household management? Okay, so for household management, for me, I think there's three layers in it. Mm -hmm. First one is for our daily life that we need to cook, we need to wash the dishes, (laughs) we need to make the house clean, we need to make the house work for everybody. So keep our daily life going. It's first to make the house workable for everybody in the home. And second layer is actually we need to uh, help each other, support each other. So we need to know the family members, their aspiration, their dream. So we support each other to achieve that goal, not only 
by you know spiritual and the wording support but by taking action mm -hmm. because for example if my son needs to go training and i need to go to do something else then sometimes i have to prioritize i have to give up my things and drive him to training so that's about how we cooperate with each other so everybody can uh, have a support to achieve their goal so that's the second layer the last layer i think is maybe um, more uh, spiritual side is about the, we discuss about the psychological, it's more about the personal uh, development thing, because if as a parents, we know uh, some about the uh, psychological uh, stress treatment, like how we can create an environment for our kids or all the family member to uh, live at home, feel comfortable, feel at ease, feel, mm -hmm. oh, this is a home, I can relax. If even I was hurt outside, or I failed outside, but it's okay. I have a strong supporting system at home, so I can rest and next day I am all okay and I can fight again outside. Mm -hmm. So I want to create that kind of home environment. So for me, that's all household management. Okay, so it's quite a layered and complex um concept you know because it's 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 including like the physical the practical side but it's also including the relationships we have and also i guess also our concept of what the home is and how we feel about the home yeah yeah very good summary <laughs> <laughs> thank you and um are there any misconceptions about household management yeah i think there are three very obvious first Everybody's thinking household magic is done by women, right? It's mm. women's job. But actually, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's I can see it's everybody's job, but in reality, it's the person we say home boss. Management is not about going outside shopping, cooking. It's about you have a plan. So at home, we said as a team, you have one decision maker, right? That person should be the home decision maker. So we discuss everybody has part of the role, but at the end of the day, the one person should make the final decision by collecting everybody's opinion. So for me, not only women, right? So sometimes different family has different situation. In my home, my husband is the uh, household manager. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering in my, I mean, in my family or even in my own home. Hmm. Who, who is, is your the, boss? <laughs> who is the boss? Yeah. Hmm, that's a great question. I think in my, in my, so in my family, in my, in my current home, it's my partner, me and my cat. So I think it's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> How did he make a decision? Um, he decides that he wants dinner at uh, four o'clock. So he gets dinner at four o'clock and that is the decision that is made. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's very good at making decisions too. Mm -hmm. And you guys are good listeners. Exactly. It's very hard to, to miss him. <laughs> Excellent. Good, good. Um, oh, sorry, you did say that there were two other um, yeah. misconceptions. Yeah, exactly. Second is that uh, household management is a tedious job. Mm -hmm. It's no value. Only people who earn salary outside, bring income to home, is the best and most valuable person in the family. Actually, it is not. Mm -hmm. Just a simple example, if somebody bring money and you guys spend all of them, no savings, 
voila, you have nothing, you know, saved and you cannot go to the future or any unexpected things happen, you have no money to cover that. So household management is as the same important as you earn a salary from our side. Mm -hmm. So normally, ideally in the family, should one person earn the income, one person do the household management, so make sure the hard-earned money is not wasted, is actually contributed to the life goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, manage, fa financial management isn't just getting money, having income, but it's also what you do with the money. So you're not, yeah. it's not just like a sieve um, trickling away back into the sink and leaving. Yeah, so number three biggest mm -hmm. uh, mysterious way is household management, you need lots of, you know, the hardworking, mathematic, or you need to good at something, or you need to have some knowledge, or you don't need to have any knowledge. It's just like, oh, it's an expertise. It's actually happened naturally, right? In the mm -hmm. family, you don't need expertise first, because you live your life mm -hmm. as a family, you have to do, right? Second, you don't need a special skills. And third, either, you do need to learn something. Mm -hmm. So it's in the middle. It's not a hard job. It's just the way that how you look at the life and then have some little bit of the planning mindset. Mm -hmm. That is all you need. Okay, so you don't need to be a rocket scientist, but you also need to know a little bit about, about household management. Yes. It doesn't, doesn't just happen naturally. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, and so I did dive slightly into financial planning. Um, so well could you could you please explain what financial planning is before I um, make something up? Sure. As we discussed before, that household management is about knowing everybody's dream in life and uh, help and create uh, environment and conditions for us to achieve those goals. So most of the time when you talk about your life dream, you may realize you need some financial resources to help you to achieve your dream. So that's why financial planning kicking and uh, it's basically how we uh, manage our financial resources in the family in order to achieve our life goals. Mm -hmm. So I normally uh, put it into four stages. So first stage, we say we have to clearly know our life goals. Like you want to buy a house by mm -hmm. the age of 30, or you want to send your kids to private education when they are year seven, or you want to retire at 40 years old. So you have to have a goal before you go to plan your money, right? Otherwise, you just don't know what to do with your money. So goal setting is the first step. And then second step is about you know your money. So know your money means right now you have to look at your financial situation. What is your income? What's your expense? And how much you can save? Because if you don't know how much you can save, then you have no idea how you can have your financial resources allocated for you to achieve your early retirement, uh -huh. for example. So that is know your money. And once you know your money, you have to look into this big picture saying, huh, maybe my saving is never enough for me to retire at 40 years old. So what are you going to do? Then it involves our budgeting. We need to forecast our income and expense. The aim is we try to have a saving goal so that we can have a bucket of the money that uh, allocated for 
to achieve our goal. So that's know your money so you can budget and you can plan. So once you have the savings started, mm -hmm. we will come into the third stage is plan your money. So most people thinking, oh, plan my money, just save in the bank, receive the interest, that's it. But it's not that simple. Think about our whole life. We will experience different life stage for young couple, for the couple with kids, for the couple without kids, and for the couple who are going into 50s before retirement. There's uh, several stages that the needs are quite different. Mm -hmm. That's why when we plan the money, we're first thinking about our family stage mm -hmm. and the requirement of the goal and the needs. Second, we need to do our risk management. Many people forgot about it. Because think about insurance. A lot of time we may have accidents and it's going to ruin all our plan. Mm -hmm. So that's why risk management is before you invest or save your money. You have to have enough insurance to cover all the accidents and you don't want uncertainties in life. Mm. And after the insurance risk management, we say, now you can plan your money. What is your goal? Most of people thinking about the retirement planning because it's really a big question nowadays in society. I remember I read an article, uh, uh, money, people and money mixing in 2020, they did a global survey, ask people, oh, what is the, you know, on top of your concern of your life? Can you believe 78% of people say they worry about their retirement because they are not sure whether they have saved enough for retirement. So this is actually a global issue now. That's why we said next, after the risk management insurance you cover, you have to think about your retirement planning because it's long term. And look at our life. We only be able to work. I think nowadays people work 60 or 70. Mm. But you have another 20 years. We live longer, right? Yeah. The, do you know the average life expectancy of Australia or US or global? Oh, is it? I think it's like 80, 85 now. I, don't quote me on this. <laughs> but I mean, when you say the average life expectancy is, is 80 or 85, that means some people could live to 100. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's, that's just the range. Exactly. So we live longer, actually. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm correct, the World Bank in 2020, they have a statistic showing that basically in the world uh, or the whole world, uh, life expectancy is 78 years old. But in Australia, in US, we are well above 85. I think okay. here we're maybe 88. So you have at least like 20 years, no income. Mm. And with inflation, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? How much money. So no wonder most of people nowadays really worry about that retirement issue. That's why we have to, we actually have the uh, tools to help you to calculate how much money you need for retirement. So that's a serious big job to do. Mm. And you need to know now because you have to prepare the resources now for the retirement. So that is basically about plan the money. Mm -hmm. And after plan the money, we go to the last stage. It's about the uh, invest your money. So why? Because most of us, after calculating, <laughs> you may realize, oh my God, if my saving like this and save 30, 40 years until my retirement age, 
I may never be able to meet the retirement requirement or the funding. So that's why we say you have to use money to earn more money yeah. to, to, to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. That's why invest money and the plan the investment becomes so important. Okay. So that is four stage of financial planning. Of course, once you have your plan, you have to execute your investment plan and regularly you need to review and rebalance your portfolio. So that's all in that investment plan and the management. Okay, so it's quite, we're talking about quite a big topic today, quite a few stages that we're gonna have to look through. So I'd like to start at the top at the beginning so that we don't get too lost. Yeah, talking I think about today everything. we will only talk about the first stage and the second stage, which we combine it as know your money and your life goal. Mm -hmm. I think the other part will really, every planning can be two hours long. It will be, you know, yes. too much. It's a long podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, so the first thing that we need to know is what our goals are. So, you know, what, what do we want to use our money for? What are we saving for? And what do we want in life? So, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, 30, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. Um, all I really know is that I want to live a good life. I want to go on holiday sometimes. I don't want to be kicked out of my home short notice. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to be able to feed my cat. Mm. Those are those are the things I want in life. I don't really have any big goals, you know, like um, getting married, buying a house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you figure out what your goals are? Um, yeah, is, yeah. Is, good is, question. Is, is that enough? Is that enough of a goal or should I be gaming for something higher? Okay, I think you actually talk some very key questions mm -hmm. in this uh, question. So basically for goal setting, we look at three different terms. Short-term goal, mm -hmm. like you want to have a comfortable life mm -hmm. and you want to have a holiday. Then yeah. I will ask you, where do you want to go for holiday? What is the budget for your holiday, right? Mm -hmm. So let's oh. do that. Okay, so... Um... When do I want to go on holiday? I'd like to go on holiday next year. Yes. Um, what's the budget? What's the budget? Where do you want to go? Do you know that? Uh, oh, I'd love to go to Europe, but okay. it's very expensive. But, I know. But how much? How right? much? Once hmm. you know the number, you should be able I, to achieve that. Oh, I don't have a number. <laughs> so you see, that's what we said, go setting. Yeah. So when you have this, you know, short term goal you want next year go to europe mm -hmm. you maybe just dig into a little bit of research check the flights check the accommodation mm -hmm. check you know food have a basic idea let's yeah. see uh if with your partner right two person mm -hmm. let's see about ten thousand mm -hmm. should be okay yeah so that's your goal okay so you have to be ready for next year you have ten thousand in your bank account besides all the other things for your travel fund. Okay. So that's your goal. Okay, that's my goal. Yeah. So how do I get $10,000? <laughs> that's, you see, you start to ask yourself yeah. the question. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when you set a goal, I'm, I'm talking about you have short-term goals. Mm -hmm. And most of people, if you have no kids, actually mid-term goal and long-term goal uh, is kind of not clear as you said yeah. but if you do have kids you may have many more goals midterm you want to worry about kids education and long-term goal you when the kids independent you may want to have a comfortable retirement i think you are lucky you don't need to be like us 
you know, working for the kids. <laughs> you can just skip the middle term goal. You just have every year the travel fund ready mm -hmm. there. So after travel, what else do you want in your life goal? Um, I just want to be happy. <laughs> so what is the condition for you to be happy? Uh, as I said, a house, uh, a home mm -hmm. that is not mold infested, mm -hmm. um, that I won't be kicked out of mm -hmm. um, or priced out of. Mm -hmm. um, in Melbourne, we're having a bit of a price housing crisis where Definitely. rent's going up a lot. Yeah. So that's something that I'm worried about at the moment is that um, my rent will go up too much. Yeah. Um, and then also, I mean, we have the, the, um, we've just got a price crisis at the moment where everything's <laughs> I know, going up. Inflation, isn't inflation. It? Yeah. So at the moment that's, the, but that's, I think more of a short-term worry, which is, you know, am I going to be able to afford the food? If I can afford the food now, will less impact me in the future? Mm. Um, and other than that, um, I'm happy just to keep going as I am. I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah, I guess the condition is you need a stable home, mm -hmm. which everybody wants, right? Yes. It's where you can mm -hmm. just uh, be yourself. Mm -hmm. So for that to happen, you said you never thought of buying a house, a home. Mm. Why? Um, so at the moment, so I've just finished studying. So um, I don't have a particularly well-paying job at the moment. I love my job here, but I work part-time. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't see that I am in the position that I can afford a home. Mm -hmm. Homes are very expensive at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm more concerned, I think, with current lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Things like living closer to the city, close to public transport, mm -hmm. as opposed to living in the countryside where it's more affordable. Yeah. Um, and so therefore my, my goal hasn't been to buy a house or a home because... Mm -hmm. I don't see it as a realistic option for me okay. or at least a realistic option that I would enjoy. <laughs> okay, so I can see you actually want to buy a house. It's mm -hmm. just being limited by your financial conditions. Mm -hmm. See, if you have, be able to pay 20% down payment. And if you know the mortgage payment each month, how much, mm -hmm. maybe you think, oh, it's realistic for me. So mm -hmm. right now I can see you haven't done a research on it. No. You're just thinking it's too hard to achieve. I just forget it. Yeah. yeah. Right? So actually I do advise you to go check around in the city apartment. Mm -hmm. Home doesn't need to be three bedroom, right? <laughs> so you can look around and come up with a number, mm -hmm. maybe to your surprise, it's not that hard for you to create a happiness for you. So mm -hmm. you can put it as a 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but you can start working right now because once you know, you don't need 1 million to own your own home mm -hmm. and maybe half a million is okay. As just happened a story uh, this uh, last Friday, I uh, drove with my husband, we trying to buy a second-hand car for my son. He just started learning, learner license. So uh, to my surprise, I drove uh, into the guy who was selling his car, second-hand car. He actually living in a place just eight kilometers from the CBD and a beautiful house. So I asked him, how did he do that? He said, oh, Jennifer, I did my research. Mm -hmm. I realized this is the suburb closest to the CBD and the price I can afford. Mm -hmm. I need to give you that information actually it's available if you do your research okay okay so so that can be your 
as I said, mid-term goal, maybe mm-hmm. not for kids or marriage, but buy yourself a home, mm. do some bit research, I think you may realize it's actually realistic. Mm-hmm. Then you can, towards your goal, as we are going to see how to budget. Mm-hmm. If without a goal, budget is hard. Yes. Yes. So yes. now I gave you two goals. I've got two goals. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have my life sorted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now that I have a goal, mm-hmm. what's the next step? So now you have a goal. We need to like go into a GP. We need to assess your current <laughs> to make sure that's a realistic goal, right? Mm-hmm. So first, I need to you to look into your income. So uh-huh. most people know their income very well <laughs> because <laughs> you are looking forward for that payment. Yeah. But most people are not knowing their expense very well. No. The trick is most people thinking they spend less than they actually spend. Mm-hmm. Okay. They spend more than they thought. Yeah. And last thing is, do you know what percentage of income you are saving? So we want to get to know how much we are saving. Mm-hmm. You are listening, so everybody think. Also, my question, do you know how much money you can save every month? So I can answer for myself, and the okay. answer is no. Um, my my financial uh, aptitude goes as far as when I get paid, I look at my bank account, and I check the month before, and if I've got more money than I had that last month, then I'm fine. <laughs> Okay. If it's decreasing, if it's not decreasing, then I'm happy. If it's the same, that's fine. If it's a little bit more than last time, then that's good. Then you are very happy. Then I'm happy. <laughs> okay. I think today we're going to give you some tips. Okay. Yeah. For you to achieve that at least 10,000 euro travel fund. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once you have that, as I said, we assess your financial house. Yep. And if you realize you don't know how much to save, so one of the tip is, so this is many, many families experience, is that we say 20% is should be your saving goal. Mm-hmm. Because most of the family, if you know, we put all the data in, people spend about a 60% or 70% on their life necessities and 10 or 20% on their luxury needs, mm-hmm. and the rest of 10 or 20% for savings. So that's why I give you the higher goal. Yep. So next time, look whether can you save 20%. If you can do that, you did very well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to set my bank account up a bit better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So this part, we know your money, is what I say, you don't need to do Excel old time templates. People do introduce that, but mm-hmm. I found even myself couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I currently just using my uh, ANZM bank account uh, with the app bank. A lot of uh, bank provide a smart app. Mm-hmm. So you have your income and you have your expense, right? So my uh, suggestion is the expense you have all those categories. Normally, the smart app can categorize for you, okay? Ah. But what you do is you can hashtag those expenses, okay? I give you a simple, easy way. You just hashtag from the two categories. If this is your necessary, like a bills, telephone bills, or house maintenance or plumber, it's all bills, okay? So that's necessary. So you just put 
must. Yeah. And if it's your makeup, okay, your lipstick, or it is your um, subscription of the uh, music app, or it's something costs you money that you think is unnecessary, or you could uh, save it, you put it as a luxury. So between must and luxury, you use your smart app. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the month, you have a look. First, what is your expense, right? Then among your expense, what's the percentage mm -hmm. is must? Because must is must. Yeah. Well, luxury, then you can see, is that too much? Mm -hmm. So basically, as I said, in your expense, normally you have 80% of your income is expense, right? Saving, saving 20%. Yeah. <laughs> so 60%. Or maximum 70% should be a must. If you're not paying mortgage, I expect you to be on the lower end. So 60% or 50% is must. Mm -hmm. And then you should have luxury maybe 20, 30. Mm -hmm. It's too much, Gabriel. You need to cut a little bit. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's dependent on you how to define must and luxury. Mm -hmm. For example, for my son, he loves music. Therefore, I cannot cut the subscription of the music app, right? Mm. But I do give him a budget. I said $250 is your school lunch, is your gym membership, is your music subscription. You decide how to allocate that. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes he will say, mom, can I carry food to school? I want to bring my lunch. I know he's short of his money. <laughs> but you see how it works? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Okay, so I'll have to go through and I'll get, I'll, I'll hashtag everything in my bank account. It's easy, actually. Uh -huh. When okay. you spend, right, mm -hmm. you use cards. Yeah. And at the end of the month, you just go back to hashtag the things. Or mm -hmm. as it go, you just hashtag yeah. Okay. And I guess the other great thing about having it all on your phone, if you're paying by card is that, and this is what I do sometimes is I go through and I'm like, why am I feeling a bit low on cash? And I look through and I'm like, oh yeah, I bought this thing. And then I bought this thing. And then, you know, two weeks ago I bought this thing. And I realized that this has been a very expensive month for me. Whereas if you pay by cash, I, you know, I get receipts, but they, they disappear. Oh, yeah. You remind me of that. I assume everybody do that, but mm -hmm. you remind me. Not everybody all use card because I personally, I do everything on card. Mm -hmm. Even I cash out, there's a record there. Yeah. And I know how much I cash it out. Mm -hmm. And I always tally up whether I, you know, check my wallet, do I still have that cash or what cash I used? Mm -hmm. And I will hashtag the cash later on what I use. Like I withdraw a hundred to uh, pay my Mickey card, the traffic card. So I'll hashtag, oh, this a hundred is for traffic. Uh -huh. So that's why uh, the tip is you just uh, keep your hashtag. Sometimes you have to do it at the month end because you don't know what your cash did. So you try to, at the month end, to look back. Mm -hmm. So you only need to do like a one quarter to be very careful and try to hashtag every expense. Then you have pretty good idea for whole year what it will be look like because mm -hmm. most of our uh, bills are quarterly bills, right? Only insurance is annual expense. Sometimes you can do quarterly payment. So keep one quarter practice using your smartphone, track it mm -hmm. very well, then you will have a very good idea 
how much you spend and how much you can save. Mm -hmm. That's the foundation. Okay. If without this, we cannot go to next stage. Okay. So you have to know how much you can save yep. realistically and not about how much you have saved in before. It's about how much you can. Okay. 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 So once you've, you know, said that, you know, I spend 50% uh, of my money on necessities mm -hmm. and then I spend... 25% of my money on luxuries. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, I can actually save 25% yes. on savings and I can, you know, but then I'm guessing that some of the savings would have to go to different sources. Um, you know, some of it would go to my midterm goals. Mm -hmm. um, some of it would go to my short-term goals. So how do I decide? Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, so let me know. No, no, um, no, that's good. That's good because... I want, I want you to have a good foundation. Mm -hmm. Now you are good. You already yeah. achieved 25%. Yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking how to use those money. Yeah. That's excellent status. Yeah. So you're saying that, you know, I've got this long, uh, this midterm goal of buying mm -hmm. a house. And mm -hmm. I, you know, now theoretically, I know how much I need to save to have that midterm to reach that midterm goal. Yeah. But I've also got this short term goal yeah. that I want to achieve. Yeah. So how do I allocate that 25% of savings? Yeah. Um, and, you know, do I, should I, you know, maybe start looking at my luxuries and cutting my luxuries mm -hmm, mm -hmm, or um, should I just keep it at that, you know, savings amount? Okay. So assuming that you think 25% is a goal that you can easily achieve. Mm -hmm. So let's start from there because you don't want to make yourself hate this, right? You yeah. want to enjoy this mm -hmm. process. So if you start to see your bank account saving going up, mm -hmm. the first my suggestion is not to go to your travel plan yet. Okay. okay. We actually need to do two things. Mm -hmm. So before we can allocate money for our fantastic travel goal, first we need to look at the expense. I said 25 is not stretching goal for you. Mm -hmm. So let's look at the expense. What are our biggest expense? Mm -hmm. Most of the family, Gabriel is exceptional, has mortgage okay yeah. i do pay rent <laughs> i pay a lot of rent yeah you pay rent yeah but rent is hard to save mm. mortgage there are some tips to save ah, okay. so that's why i said it's different right okay. that's why i do want later on to get you on that long-term goal because mm -hmm. if you start to pay mortgage mortgage expense can actually have some tips to save. Okay. So that's why first we look at our biggest expense item, mm -hmm. most of the family is mortgage. Yep. So here I want to introduce a tip about how to save mortgage payments, actually increasing your saving. Mm -hmm. So most of the financial institutions are actually provide a mortgage offsets account. So it's mm -hmm. just working like a normal bank saving account, but they are linked to your mortgage payment. So what does it mean is, for example, you have 200,000 mortgage loan, right? So every month you need to pay 2,000 based on 200,000, uh, say 10% interest rate, mm -hmm. and you need to pay 2,000. However, if you save in that account, say one month you saved 10,000, easy example, okay? Then they will only charge you 190,000 as the mortgage loan. So you will only pay 1,900 for your mortgage 
payment because they can offset your total principal of your mortgage loan. So in that way, you actually save a lot. Do you know the current mortgage loan interest rate? No, but I think it's quite high, isn't it? Yeah, currently in US and in Australia, it's all about around average 6.5 and higher. Mm-hmm. And it's still growing, right? Many families are thinking mortgage, really a big expense. So our suggestion is look into your mortgage rate first, and then look into your current investment saving return. If your actually bank deposit only pay you 5%, right? So you put all your deposit into mortgage offset account, because in that way, you do, earn, do not earn 5% interest, but actually you avoid to pay 6.5 interest. Mm-hmm. That's why this is offset concept work very well for the family with mortgage. Okay. And it's a fast way to save as well. Save your interest payment and a fast way to save. Mm-hmm. But of course, for you, you, that, you have that 10,000 goal in mind. Mm-hmm. As we said, if you review your expense, nothing to cut. I think you told me once you're not using credit card. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why credit card, uh, you may not use it. But here is uh, another tips. Mm-hmm. Do you know credit card has a 59 days interest-free payment? No. Okay. I give you this one. You can actually use credit card if you are very disciplined. Mm-hmm. You always, so condition is you always pay back your credit card within 50 or 59 days of interest-free payment time. The reason is when you buy like your laptop 2000, right? Mm -hmm. You use your credit card and you are not paying any cash out, right? You use credit card. Mm -hmm. So that 2000, you can save in the bank because right now bank pay you 5% interest rate. Uh So you earn $50, the 2000 multiply by 5%, you can earn maybe 100, 100, yeah, $100. Okay. So, so it's about... You earn the interest mm-hmm. because you are using bank's money for free to buy your computer for 59 days. And you can earn 59 days interest. Uh-huh. So that's a way if you are a disciplined person, you can use credit card. Most of the time we suggest people don't use credit card Mm -hmm. because you may forget it. And then credit card over 59 days, the interest rate can be very high. That's the reason. So I want to be very clear with people. Like me, I actually use, you know, the uh, pay, uh, buy first, pay later. I use PayPal and I use Afterpay a lot Mm -hmm. because... I can save my interest. I can earn interest by buying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but you wouldn't recommend this for people who... If you are not disciplined. If you're not disciplined and you will forget about you it. You will forget about the credit card. So traditionally, our suggestion is don't use credit card. Mm-hmm. But if you become a pro, you understand how money works, you can actually take advantage of this okay. to earn interest while using the interest-free period credit card to buy things. Okay. But we do not suggest if you are not disciplined. Okay. The other question I have is, um, do you only recommend this for big payments like a plane flight or a laptop? Or could you do it for your groceries? 
or I guess it, it depends on how di disciplined you are. It depends on Gabrielle how much grocery expense every every month you have. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you add them together, yeah, it may be a laptop money. <laughs> it may be two or three thousand. Mm -hmm. But the condition is you have to make sure that uh, 59 days interest free. If you can't follow it, I do suggest you just use your debit card. Don't use mm -hmm. credit card. Because yeah. I can imagine, you know, with a laptop, it might be fairly easy to put in, you know, a reminder in your phone to say 58 days after laptop purchase, pay off credit card. Yeah. But I could imagine that for grocery purchases, I go to the supermarket probably every second day. Mm. If I was using my credit card, I'd find it impossible to track all of the times I go and buy a bottle of milk on yeah. my credit card. And so I, then I'd forget to pay maybe one payment. Maybe it's only, you know, $5. Yeah, but I, then... think, I think let's see this as a beginning to do the financial planning. So let's don't jump. Mm -hmm. And the best way is you spend within your limit mm -hmm. and you actually don't use credit card overdraft because okay. once you accumulate debt, debt is eating your money. It's mm -hmm. growing itself and it will be very hard to go into that cycle and jump out. So for beginner, let's say you just use whatever you have don't overdraft and better don't use a credit card okay. to spend more than you earn. Okay. But if you are a bit more of an expert or you're very disciplined, you can maybe have a look at using it, particularly for the bigger purchases. And yeah. actually earn some interest. And earn some interest. Great. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm wondering, should we jump into debt now uh, and talk about debt a little bit? Yeah. Um, is this a good place to talk about it? I think we still haven't finished the, okay. the saving part. Okay. So once you look at your expense, mm -hmm. that uh, how much and what is your biggest expense, mm -hmm. and now we move to how to settle your savings. Mm -hmm. uh, we allocate all of them to the ten thousand, uh, you know, travel fund. Yeah. But before that. I think we talk about the risk management, right? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the risk management, besides insurance, you should have emergency fund. Mm -hmm. So before you can go for, say, for your travel fund, yeah. Uh, I remember in my bank app, they have different bucket. So my suggestion is you have an emergency fund bucket, uh -huh. then you have a travel fund bucket, then yeah. you have a bucket for housing bucket. Okay. As for Gabriel, okay? Okay. So for emergency fund, now this is small money saving to cover the unexpected emergencies, which are not covered by your insurance. Okay. Okay. It's like suddenly you have a small scratch on the car, insurance, you know, 800, you have to bear yourself. So those small money. Mm -hmm. So we want that emergency fund to be there for you to feel peace of mind. Anything happen, you got it covered. Mm -hmm. So how much is that emergency fund? Uh, it depends on your, again, you know, your monthly expense, uh -huh. hopefully by yeah, now. By now. Yeah. So normally on the conservative side, you may want to have six months emergency fund, six months of your monthly expense there, because if you are sick, you couldn't work, or if anything, you may lose your job. So it can get you going six months without worries. You are not stressed. You can keep your time looking for next job. Mm -hmm. Myself is on the safe side. I have 12 months emergency fund because I always like to be well prepared. Mm -hmm. 
So once you have that emergency fund, because currently the banking interest is really high, mm-hmm. so it's worthwhile to have your emergency fund. If you have mortgage, put your emergency fund together with mortgage offset account. If yeah. you don't have, then check with your bank what is their current saving rate? Because I know uh, some banks provided two types of account. One's you know expense, one's saving. On the saving account, they do give you pretty high interest rate. We did an exercise in our classroom. I asked my students to search right now which bank give you the highest deposit rate. And can you imagine that actually different bank do have a big difference? Like uh, big four, they offer like a 4.6% on your savings. But small like ING bank, they give you 5.5% interest mm-hmm. rate. It's a really huge difference. So do some research and put your deposit in the highest deposit account. Mm. So it generates fund for you. And after that, every penny should go to your travel fund. Mm-hmm. And again, travel fund should also save in a high interest generation account. But what happens um, with your with your emergency funds when you know your so you want you know say six months of in, mm. of, of oh, expenses three months, or three months? You, yeah, if your um, safety is pretty yeah. high. Yeah. Okay, so let's say three to six months, but at the beginning you're not going to have that. You're yeah. only going to have I don't know a hundred dollars in there. Yeah. That's not going to be enough. Do you start off with the lump sum of money you currently have and you say, this is six months, this is this, and you put it in the bank account and that's it? Or do you gradually save up over, say, three months until you have three months? Yes, you gradually. Nobody can be a magician, just (laughs) get the money out. Mm -hmm. So once you see, this is about your mindset. Once Mm -hmm. you know you need three months set aside as emergency fund, Mm -hmm. then you work on it right? Yep. You want to go faster, maybe now get say, oh, I can save 30%. Mm-hmm. So once you have that bucket full, yep. you go for next bucket. Okay. Yes. And for long term, we have different plan. Okay. Because long term money, you do not use it. So it can go investment for some even higher generation assets, uh-huh. but not now. Because okay. we are talking about short term, short term mm. is not good to. So just remember, short term money is you needed excess liquidity. Yeah. So you don't want to invest in stocks or high risky assets that, if you want to use it, you have to lose money, right? Uh-huh. So that's not good. Okay. So short term gold money you can put in the bank deposit, safe assets. Okay. Am yeah. I silly in thinking that it's kind of like a champagne tower, mm-hmm. and you start off at the top with the first glass? and you pour champagne and then it fills and it collects into the next one. Great. And then example. Then I guess the really long-term ones are at the bottom. And once they're full, you might think about taking one out at the bottom, but you really have to think about it because if you do it wrong, you'll tip the whole thing. Yeah, it's actually a very good scenario <laughs> to describe this. Yes, exactly. You're always starting from the top mm-hmm. and you fill up the top as mm-hmm. well. Good energy. Yeah, thank you. Very good. And if you want to drink, you take the top one, you don't take the bottom one. Exactly. You always drink the first, the top one uh-huh. first. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. And I know we mentioned insurance a little bit before, yeah. but how important, I mean, I, I don't know if we need to get into too much about insurance, but um, I'm guessing that is part of the necess- necessities. Yes. Um, 
and not part of the emergency fund. No, no, no. So insurance is like a expense. Mm-hmm. So just quickly to think about what insurance minimum that you should cover so you feel safe when mm-hmm. you, you know, know, go around living your life. So basically look at our whole life. Mm-hmm. First, we have our body. We are our assets, right? Yeah. So if you should have basically cover your own house, right? But we have accident, maybe you cover your body. We see you have four basic insurance should consider. First is your life insurance. Mm -hmm. If people, you know, die early, accident, that's not good. But this only required if we have dependents. For example, in a whole house, um, I'm not working or my husband working. So for me, my life insurance should be the minimum because the financial loss of me living is less because I'm not generating income. So insurance is a big expense. That's why you have to look at it carefully. And we normally say by uh, life insurance should be the person who generate income for the family. And mm-hmm. because we all depend on that income, that's the first thing. Then house insurance for everybody because, you know, we don't want those things to happen, but once happen, it's a big expense. Mm-hmm. So house insurance and accident insurance, big trauma insurance. And if you have full-time job, you should actually can have income um, uh, protection insurance as mm-hmm. well. So this is about our body. Then you look at the things you have, right? You have house, you have car, any properties you own, mm-hmm. you may want to have insurance. So majority people have house insurance and will have the car insurance. And last thing you want is related to your career. For example, advisories like a financial planner, if their advice giving damage to their client, client can sue them, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why they have to have the professional indemnity insurance in case you know, sometimes they do, nobody wants to give people damage, but sometimes things happen. Mm-hmm. So that can cover the professional indemnity okay. for the uh, part of the career. It's like the third-party insurance of the car, you know, some accident happens, mm. so you have to cover that. Mm-hmm. So these are basically three types of insurance in our life we should look into. Okay. And insurance is expense. And therefore, it's not a, you have to put in your ex- expense bucket. It's not your saving bucket. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you. Yeah. So if you have insurance payment, actually, it's always because something happened. You have to use that money to cover the loss. So it's not earning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just to make sure you don't have extra expense. So we've talked a bit about mortgages, um, and so that's basically a big loan, a big debt. But what are some other smaller debts that um, people often have, and how do we manage those? Yeah, that's a good question, because as we discussed, the debt is a huge expense in our daily life. And the people, lots of people are under stress of just paying back their student loan or paying back their car loan. So often we were asked, how much debt is too much, mm-hmm. right? And uh, here we can actually using a tip uh, from a lot of uh, banks and uh, financial institutions as we give advice to people. So look at your after tax income. 
Okay, then based on that, around 30%, if you go to your mortgage, your car loan, your student loan, if you're over 30%, you will feel very stretched in mm -hmm. your daily expense because it squeeze yourself. Like we have 20% saving goal, but you, you can feel if over 30% that your daily life expense, 50%. It's already 80%. There's yeah. no room for luxury or for any indulgement for yourself, right? So you will only use your 20% saving, which means many people at the end, no saving. So yeah. that's the thing happening. That's why don't stretch yourself. We advise 20% for total debt. If you stretch, 30 is the maximum, mm -hmm. but you will feel that pressure yourself okay. already. Mm. So I don't know, my, what my parents taught me growing up was that there are only two reasons why you would go into debt, why you'd use your credit card or why you would get a loan from the bank. It's for a house or for a car. Mm -hmm. So is that is that good advice? Um, are there other reasons why people might want to go into debt? And um, yeah, so why do people go into debt, I guess? Okay. I think you said a very good practice from your parents. Yeah, most of the time we borrow money because right now we don't have enough money to buy a house or buy a car. That's all very good reasons. But I see a trend that many people, young people especially nowadays, my students often come to me and say, oh, Jennifer, I want to borrow money to invest. Because they say the stock market is growing so fast and the people want to be a millionaire quick. Mm -hmm. So they actually go into the bank or some brokers trying to borrow money to invest. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a no-no. Okay. Yes. Even for very professional people, we suggest, like Warren Buffett, you may know, the most famous investors, he also advised people don't borrow money to invest. The reason is when you borrow, we all know you have to pay interest. Mm -hmm. So if you borrow money and you are not earning money, your stock is not going up, the price actually going down. So you're losing money, right? So when you're losing money, your psychological change immediately. And the bank will want you, when you're losing money, they want you to pay back mm -hmm. the loan and you will have to top up your own money. Well, you don't have money, that's why you borrow or you mm -hmm. want to earn more, but you lost more. So that's why borrow money to invest is a bad idea because it not only increase your loss, but also increase your pressure. Many people bankrupted because they borrowed money. Otherwise, you just lose all your money, right? Mm -hmm. If it's you don't borrow. Yeah. So that's why don't risk by borrow money to invest. That's one of the biggest uh, temptation in life because you see people get rich quick, but most people failed, didn't help you. Mm -hmm. So don't borrow money to invest. Yeah, it's kind of the way that you're explaining it. It seems to me it's like you're, when you borrow to invest, if you lose the money, you're not just losing that money, you're losing also your money. It's like you're losing extra money. You not only lose your own money you put inside, you also lose the money you borrowed, and then you lose more on interest. Mm -hmm. And because you don't have money, the interest that's rolling up yeah. and you pay more interest, then at the end, 
you have no money left、yeah. in order to pay back that debt. Okay, okay.、Yeah. But what about things like student loans?、Um, I mean, in Australia, we're very lucky because we've got、um, schemes from the government.、Yeah. Um, That means that we don't pay interest on our student loans. So I've got student loans、yeah. that I'm currently very diligently not thinking about. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Because I don't earn enough to. So in Australia,、um, yeah. Just for any international listeners,、uh, you basically the you borrow money for your student, or the government will lend you money. I think、mm-hmm, to pay for your mm-hmm. for your、uh, university,、mm-hmm. but you don't have to pay it back until you earn over a certain threshold. Yeah. Now I'm not earning over that threshold yet. Okay, so but I mean, I I'm guessing that you know you can't if you're in a country where you do have to pay student loans. If you're an international、yeah. student coming to Australia, yeah,、um, you still have to pay back the loans. You can't do what I'm doing, which is just ignore yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah. how do you manage that? Because obviously, you know, maybe you want to be a doctor. You've got very high student loans because you have、yeah. to pay a lot of that. Yeah.、Um, but how do you manage that? Because that might be over thirty、mm-hmm. percent, but. You know, it's for your future. You're going to earn more money in the future. So, how、yeah. do you manage it in the moment? Okay, so I can give a general rule because everybody has all type of different loans, right?、Mm-hmm. So, the rule of the debt management is you always pay off the loans that ask you to pay highest interest. Uh huh. So, obviously, your student loan is not in that bucket. <laughs> so that's why you stay because they don't generate more expense for you.、Mm-hmm. But credit card instead, we discussed it. It's over fifteen percent if、mm-hmm. you keep your credit card unpaid.、Uh-huh. So that loan interest increase your expense.、Uh-huh. So that's why you need to pay off the highest interest loan. So debt management is about ranking all the loans、mm-hmm. and look at the interest. Pay off the highest interest first. Okay. If it's very Low, right? Like your student loan, no interest. Indeed, you don't need to pay because, as I said, you save your money in the bank. They pay you five percent. Okay. If the low interest, which means your benchmark is five percent or four point five percent, depending on your bank deposit、mm-hmm. rate, the safe interest you can earn. If the deposit rate four point five percent or five percent. Higher than that, you definitely pay off your loan or debt because that cost you.、Mm-hmm. But cheaper than that, best you don't want. You want to delay. The reason is you can save and earn interest. Okay, so that was my next question. Was so you know in Australia, if you are a student and you've got a student loan that you're not paying interest on, is it worth paying it off before you have to? And I, it seems like your answer is no. Legally. If you are not required to do that,、mm-hmm. the reason is government give you a chance to save up, right?、Mm-hmm. So don't waste of this opportunity. Okay. Because they want you to save up, so that you save your money, you earn some interest when your income like help you to grow. So when your income, you progress your career in a threshold that you can pay back, you pay back. Okay, because they give you this breathing room for you to build up your life. Okay, they don't want to give you too much stress. That's why Australia government is very considerate. That's why I do think you should know this logic now、mm. and take this great opportunity to save up.、Mm-hmm. 
Okay, great. Because um, I was talking to a friend about this and he was saying, yes, I've paid off my student debts before I needed to for this reason or that reason. And I was like, oh, I never thought about it. I was just going to ignore it. Yeah, that's why I think maybe it's very relevant for a lot of people. It's actually a good opportunity for you to save up. So don't waste off this uh, window opportunity mm -hmm. because it helps you to save faster and earn more interest and uh, help you to grow your career. So once you're over the threshold, you should pay back the loan. Of course you should. But early payback may uh, depends on your financial situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we've talked about um, our savings, how much we should be saving, and also tracking our money so we know how much we have and how much is going into different areas. How can we control our expenses? Mm -hmm. So as we said, the expenses you know where the money goes and now you have your good habits mm -hmm. to hashtag everything yes. you do whatever you can to maximize your saving and by tracking the expense you exactly control your life okay so next bit of the part in the equation is your income so most of the time when we talk about the budgeting we said oh i plan to spend on this and that, no more than 2000 or 70% of my income. However, income is another variable, it's changing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you earn more income, are you still going to spend 70%? Obviously, yes or no, Gabriel? <laughs> give, me, give me a second to think about this. Um, if you earn more money, then, well, I think if I was earning more money, then I would probably think, oh, now I can spend more of my money. So <laughs> I would hope that it would stay in line so that my ex my expenses stay, you know, within ratio of my the rest of my money. But maybe I'd have more, ex more maybe I'd have more luxury expenses or more savings if I was okay. earning more money. Yeah. Okay. That's most people thinking like that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, our suggestion, okay, mm -hmm. our suggestion is... Even you earn a lot of money, you do not necessarily change your lifestyle to luxury more. The reason is you still want to boost up your saving. So now maybe you can save 40%. Mm -hmm. Especially, as I said, everybody's situation is different in our life stage. When we have no kids, you actually should aim for 40% mm -hmm. saving. And when you have kids, a really lot of expense, maybe 10 or 20%, it's all right. But when the kids become independent, again, like they are going to university, then you maybe boost up to 40 to 50% saving again, because you are also closer to your retirement. So from around 50 to 60 is our best saving area, age. And from 25 to 35, before you have kids, is also our best time saving age. So you are in the best saving age. <laughs> so even you have high income, you should aim to achieve your goal better instead mm -hmm. of spend on the luxury because you want to buy a house, do you? Mm -hmm. So you want to save that up. Now I know you have a student loan you need to pay, <laughs> that you need to save. But of course, you keep your life standard. I'm not trying to squeeze yourself. Mm -hmm. So with more income, maybe you keep 
50-60% at zero expense. So yeah. you go for 30-40% for saving. Mm -hmm. So income is actually important. Uh -huh. So have you ever asked yourself, how can I get more income? Um, yes, actually. Um, there was one point when I just moved out of home um, that I was working, I, was, I wasn't studying, and I realized that I was making, after all of my expenses, I was, I was making $25. Uh, and I realized that that wasn't really enough to live on for yeah, my luxuries. Definitely. Um, and so I realized that I was going to have to change something. I was going to have to, ch and I couldn't change my bills. Because yeah. what am I going to do? Uh, shower once a week? Exactly. exactly um, yeah. Never watch TV. Um, I, I probably, I, I probably couldn't do that. So I was like, I'm going to have to work more. So I, I wrote to my work and I said, I would like more shifts, please. And so what I did was I worked more. Basically, I, I increased my um, the hours I worked, and then later on, I was lucky. I got a better job, which paid more, so I could work a little bit less, so I could study yeah, yeah. and work at the same time. Excellent. So uh, this is a part I really want to everybody think about the income, maximize the income. Mm -hmm. So here we need to talk about the pre-tax income and after-tax income, because mm -hmm. as you can see, first we talk about pre-tax income, mm -hmm. which means we have work, do two jobs or three jobs to, to earn more income, right? Mm -hmm. So pre-tax income, we can work. So I call it active income. Uh, but there's another type of income, we call it a passive income. Most people want to retire early, which means they have to have enough passive income. So they do not need to work and they can have a decent life. So how to enlarge or increase your passive income becomes a core. And that's why my students want to borrow money to invest. <laughs> so one of the major passive income coming from your investment. And this whole pension fund, the superannuation concept is built on this passive income generation. Mm -hmm. Because why we can retire at 60 years old? Because we now save and invest in our pension fund. And those money was invested in the financial assets, stock, bond, property, and the house, investment house, and they generate a rental interest return. So those interest, rental, the money generate money for you. While mm -hmm. you are not working, you are sleeping, they are still creating money for you. Mm -hmm. That's called passive income. Mm -hmm. So that's why we said in financial planning last stage is investment planning, mm -hmm. because you do need to have a great deal of passive income in order not to work, yeah. but still have income. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, many younger students and on YouTube, a lot of people talk about investment. And I think it can be a next uh, topic for us to go deeper, some basic philosophies or logicals you have to know. It's not hard, but many people think it's very hard. So on this part, I just want to clarify pre-tax income, you can have your active working hard income and you can, most people have bank deposit, you can generate passive income. You just need to save first more mm -hmm. so you can have a big amount of the money to generate passive income to you. Mm -hmm. The last option was 
uh, should be, which I am thinking nowadays, you write a book. Because when people sell your book, right, they generate royalties. So、mm -hmm. they're always coming and it will last for a long time. So you think about those creation, creative products like、mm -hmm. painters and also your YouTubers. But we talk about the YouTubers with actually a full time job, very、yeah. hard to generate income. So writing a book or what you are good at. To develop that into a business, like currently I'm working with my son. I think his TikTok has、uh, no days off to motivate, inspiring people to、uh, work consistently, being a better version of themselves each day, slowly, but day by day to be,、uh, you know, improve yourself. So we are thinking of building that business. It's just like you're constantly thinking of some ideas you always want to try and. Keep trying it to bring income for yourself because、mm -hmm. we only live once. Working a job for money is a painful life.、Mm -hmm. You want some creative and creation in your life, well, generate money.、Mm -hmm. So that's my suggestion for people. If you have good ideas, try it. It might as well bring you money.、Mm -hmm. So that is pretexting. Next, if you said okay. I have a job. I fix. I always bring this money into the home. You need to think about tax planning、mm. because we have after-tax income, right?、Mm -hmm. One of the big expense most people may didn't notice is tax.、Mm -hmm. So that's why we need to know a little bit about a tax formula. How people charge tax? How can you save tax? So in Australia and in most of the Western countries, we have quite. Mature pension system. So, government, in order to encourage you to save in the pension fund, okay, they gave some tax、uh, good conditions. Like, if you now put your salary contributed to your pension account, they only charge you fifteen percent tax. Well, if you have your personal income, they charge you. I think in Australia we started from nineteen percent, then go up to thirty-two point five percent, thirty-seven percent, and forty-seven percent based、mm -hmm. on your annual income. So you can do the math. If you save your money now, pre-tax, you contribute yourself to your pension account. You pay fifteen percent tax, even you are on the lowest. If you earn annual income over eighteen thousand in Australia, you have to pay nineteen percent tax over eighteen thousand. So you can do the math immediately. You save four percent, right?、Mm -hmm. But most of us maybe under thirty-two point five percent. It's forty-five thousand annual income. If you are higher than that, you are in the bucket of paying thirty-two point five percent tax. So if you contribute one thousand more into your own pension super account, they only charge you fifteen percent. So every one thousand, you are saving seventeen point five percent purely on tax.、Mm -hmm. It really boosts up your saving, isn't it?、Mm -hmm. The only condition is you can only access your pension, your superannuation, when you are sixty years old. Yeah. So you have to wait. Yeah, it's like you have to sacrifice current enjoyment, but for the future.、Mm -hmm. 
another way to think about this is the government actually using tax to help you to save your retirement funding. But Gabriel, for you is good news because right now in Australia, if you want to buy your first time home, mm -hmm. you should be able to access your super. Mm -hmm. And see, I said it's realistic. You can use your pre-tax income, contribute to your super and boost up your saving much faster. You don't need to pay that extra 17.5% tax, right? Mm -hmm. You save in your super and you grow your super, then you can withdraw that saving to buy your first time home house. Mm -hmm. So it's much faster than okay. you save 20% of your after-tax saving. Okay. A question I do have about this, um, and this I think was brought up when the government did change, make the changes to superannuation, mm -hmm. um, is that a lot of people said that, you know, if you allow people to access their super to buy homes, mm -hmm. then it's going to mean that they're going to be less well off uh, when they retire because yeah. they're withdrawing from that money. Yeah, yeah. You won't have that money or well, you might not have that money mm. when you're retired. And yeah. the secondly, it's going to increase housing prices because all of a sudden all these people can access more money mm -hmm. and then they're going to, it's going to increase the housing prices. So how is, it, it just seems like it's creating more problems. <laughs> okay, let's look at this problem at this issue. Mm -hmm. First, you are only allowed to access your super if you're buying your first house. Mm -hmm. So it's ring out a lot of people who want to invest uh -huh. using super. You cannot. Okay. okay. There's genuine needs because as you said, you want a stable home. Mm -hmm. People want that. So yeah. that's a condition. Second, you cannot use all your super. Okay. Right? There's a limit uh -huh. and you have to check the, you know, there's, I think yesterday I checked, it's about 50,000 you can okay. withdraw and you can withdraw your own contribution. It's like your saving. Okay. It's not your employer's contribution. Okay. So there's a lot of conditions around to protect that. That's the first thing. So it's for genuine people who want to buy a home. Okay. And there's a, a cap limit you can withdraw. It's just help you to pay your down payment. Okay. It's not like you draw everything. Okay. Number three, I want to bring this concept here for the uh, house as uh, assets for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So the argument goes this way. When you buy a home now, right, and you have, you live inside, it doesn't generate rental for you. So you just have a stable home psychologically and happiness is important. But when you go to the retirement age, maybe now you bought a three bedroom or two bedroom house. But when you go to the retirement time, your house value also go up. We call it home equity. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you 100% own that house, house price goes up, you pay the 500,000, maybe 20 years later, maybe it's worth 1 million. So house slowly price go up, then you can sell your house and part of the funding you can put into your super again mm -hmm. as your retirement funding and you can downsize mm -hmm. to stay in a, maybe far away because you don't want in the city at that time. Mm -hmm. So you can change the house, the difference can be contributed to your super again. So we call it like a fourth pillow of retirement funding uh -huh. because in 
our society here, we have four pillars of the retirement for people to be able to well prepared. Super is one, your self-contribution, volunteer saving is one, our government age pension is one, last one is actually home equity. If you own your, ho- or own your own house, mm-hmm. it, the value goes up when you retire. You may want to sell it, give to other young people who wants to have a home in the city and you uh-huh. move to the suburb, which is cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then the difference can be your funding for retirement. Okay, so you're kind of using... So so the way I'm understanding this is that you're kind of using the superannuation initially to save money for your house. So maybe yes. you put extra money in that would otherwise go into a savings account. Yes. You put it into the superannuation so you pay less taxes. Yeah. Um, and then you use you withdraw the money from there to buy your home. Yeah. And then later on, you know, when you've used the house, you know, you've lived your whole life and then you've decided to retire. Yeah. Then you sell the house and that money goes back into your superannuation. Yes. yes. Okay. So you're basically just using some of the superannuation money and then putting it back again. Yeah, it's like a government is actually helping you mm-hmm. to save. Okay. And help you to buy the first house. Mm-hmm. That's the initial idea. And mm-hmm. I think if it's executed well, it's actually help people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, and I don't want to be uh, too much of a downer here, but what happens if the, you know, market goes wrong? We've, yeah. we saw, um, you know, the housing market go into, go into downturn, people were losing their houses because, um, you know, the houses suddenly cost, the, the houses were worth nothing mm-hmm. or things where interest rates really change. Um, yeah. How is that going to affect this? Okay, good question. Because when you buy a house, you care about how much money you borrow and how much interest you pay. Especially mm-hmm. now, many people feel the pain of interest rate goes up and the mortgage expense becomes such a big expense of our family. So looking at the property market, we do say that it's a risky uh, investment. But over the time, in our financial uh, planning and financial investment theory, we do talk about the business cycles. So mm-hmm. the economics goes up and down. And overall, the cycle is goes about 7 to 20 years. So you have uptime and long time. So for those risky assets, you have to hold a longer term to overcome this, to smooth line this cycle. So you have up and downs in average is slowly going up. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said, if for your long-term goal, you have to be able to hold your house at least seven to 10 years, you are you can't just hold your house one year, second year you want to sell. That is really risky. So basically in the investment planning side, we need to educate the client that the different assets you are going to buy has a different risk attached to it. Mm-hmm. The more risky assets you have to hold longer term because the price volatility, they change mm-hmm. based on economic development. Uh-huh. And the economic development has a cycle. That's why we have to hold longer time for the risky assets in order to have an average return. Okay. Okay. So that's I mean, something that I've sort of noticed is um, people buying houses, investments to sell quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying that we shouldn't necessarily be doing that with those higher risk things because um, what we want is to have the average 
um, long-term investment, basically. So what I'm saying is, when you look into those risky assets, you should go into with the expectation that you will use the money that you can hold for seven or 10 years or even longer. You don't need those money short term. Okay. Then it's much safer than you say, I use my next year travel fund to invest in a house. Then house market dropped. You need that money urgently. We call it a fire sale. You have to sell your house in order to get the money for your next year's use. Then that money should not ever be used to buy a house, okay. a risky asset. Okay. All right. So that's why I, at the beginning, we said you have to be very clear about the short-term goal and the money for short-term goal, you have to keep it very liquid. Mm. Like you can access anytime and with certain lower return. But mid-term, like five years, I want to send my kids to private school. So five years, you know the certainty. Maybe you go to get a little bit risky, like bond, you have certainty. Five years, you will get all your principal back. And during the five years, you get the bond interest. Mm -hmm. But seven, 10, or even 20 years, you can now thinking about a house because or stocks market because they are more risky, but they also a little bit higher return average over long term. Mm -hmm. The higher return only be possible when you look into smooth the business cycle in a long term frame. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing um, all of that information. There's You've really given a lot of information, but I would like to know what is something that you do in your own home and in your own life to manage your finances? So uh, thank you, Gabriel. I think I'm doing something called pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. I actually, when I get my salary, as I suggest to you, I first thing is contribute to my super. Mm -hmm. And I do salary sacrifice a lot. And secondly, I save 20%. And the rest we use as our budgeted expense. In that way, I always make sure I hit my target. Uh -huh. And next practice is when I hit the target, I will invite my whole family. We go out for a nice meal or a nice family activity. We celebrate together. So make it a really fun practice. That sounds great. Um, I bet your, are you, uh, so your, is your son, does he look forward to this? Does he give you some pocket money sometimes so you reach it faster? <laughs> he tried to keep in his own budget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's how he contributes. Exactly. Uh, that's great. Um, and uh, do you recommend this for everyone? I do. If you think you don't know how much you spend or you cannot control yourself spending <laughs> habit, Pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. Save first. Okay. Um, yes, I can imagine that. I mean, I can see how that would work because you put the money aside for savings first, so you can't access it. Um, I just imagine that for myself, for example, maybe I would then be like, well, I don't have enough money to do all the other things I want to do. Just delay the expense for next mm -hmm. month. Uh -huh, yeah. All right. Um, thank you so much for sharing um, all of your knowledge and your practices with us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. If our listeners want to find out more about you, if they want to contact you, um, where should they find you? 
Okay, I have a LinkedIn page. You just search Dr. Jennifer Ji Huang, so you should be able to find me. Thank you. I will make sure we'll put that link into our show notes so um, they can find you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to On the House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it so we can grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.